the analogy that I always make with software is like, we're going to make this, build this one feature using agile and everything else will be waterfall. And that will show us whether agile works. And I'm just like it, no, that's not a valid test. That's, I can tell you right now, it's not going to work. Let me save you some time. Um, And so really thinking about, no, how do you apply this at the team level? It's the only place it works. That's the only way that Agile is designed to be effective. Mm Andrea, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I am so excited to talk to you about Agile and about teams and about growth and in positioning and about all the things that you, I, I know you are very passionate about. So why don't you first tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your journey so we can uh, hear that story to get started today. For sure. Um, yeah, like a lot of marketing folks, I did not start out uh, intending to be a marketer. I sort of stumbled into it. My first job out of college where I studied English uh, and literature of all things was at a newspaper syndicate as an editorial assistant and they were redoing their website. And as a 20 something, I was deemed somehow uh, the most close to websites at the time. You've used a website before. Of course you You know what these are. Um, You should definitely build it for us. Um, So that was, that was a very steep learning curve, but um, you know, once you have a website, it's a very short step to how do I get people to come to this website that we have just built and spent a lot of money building. Uh, so then it was SEO, SEM, mm. uh, digital marketing came in there. And then as content marketing started to become more of the de facto way of addressing an audience, my English degree was suddenly important. Uh, so that was <laughs> a nice, a nice surprise for my parents who thought, you know, that I was never going to use that. Uh, so I started getting into content marketing and content strategy. That was really like a sweet spot for me. Uh, and I was running content marketing for a SaaS company when I discovered agile, uh, cause we had agile software developers and we could not keep up with them. Like they were running and releasing multiple times a day and my poor content people, like, you know, we just couldn't churn things out fast enough. So I eventually convinced my boss to let me try agile with the marketing team. Uh, And being a writer, I wrote about it and what we learned and what we did and what worked to the point that people started reaching out to me and saying, we're really struggling. Could you help us do this same thing that you have done with your team? Uh, That happened enough times that I left and founded Agile Sherpas and now spend all my time helping marketers implement Agile ways of working. So, So paint a picture for me. What... I know what agile looks like in software development. And I actually kind of probably have a little bit of an idea of maybe what good agile looks like in marketing, but where do you start? What's the, the, you know, you're coming into an organization, you're coming into a team who hasn't been working or maybe he hasn't even heard of agile. Where, where's, where does the, the, the ground floor, where do you start with teams? Yeah. A lot of times we need to get people to articulate why agile for them you know, for some people it's all about speed, right? It takes us six months to get anything into the market and that's just a non-starter. We have to move faster. For some folks, people are burned out and they Mm. just, right, they're losing people and they need a more sustainable way of working. Um, So we really try to get people to think about, you know, agile is a solution. We shouldn't be looking for agility for agility's sake. Yeah. Um, and so really getting them to hone in on what it, what it means to, to do it well for them. And then 
most of the time it's baby steps, you know, like let's visualize all the work. Let's get it all out and transparent. Let's build a backlog and a board. And then usually going through that process, people have these kind of what's the bad version of an aha moment? Like, a, uh-huh, like, a, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That, that yeah, moment yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of just so much is, is needs to be done. And so much is in progress and not getting finished. Mm-hmm. And then you can start to have conversations about, okay, well, how do we prioritize better? How do we work on fewer things in order to get more things done? And now you're getting into real kind of true agile frameworks where maybe we use sprints or we use whip limits to focus effort. Um, but it's usually better to let people come to that realization instead of saying, cool, you're in a scrum team now and you need a scrum master and like to really get into the nitty gritty right away. It's funny because I mean, even, even when we work with software teams, right? I mean, sometimes they, they will say, well, we're working in agile. And then of course you look at it and they're, they're not, um, but they'll call it that because they're thinking we're working fast, which in some ways just means they're moving around a lot. Right. How do you pivot that conversation between away from, I understand you're doing a lot because you're all tired. Like you said, they're burnout. You're tired. You're, you're not seeing the results that you you're being both demanded to hit and also want to hit. I mean, let's be honest. Right. What, what, what do you do to shift that conversation? Now you talked about those baby steps. What's that? What are some of the first things, whether it's a, is it a workshop? It, is it, um, you know, an assessment? How do you, how do you go in to approach that? Yeah, uh, we have both things and it kind of depends on the scope of the engagement. If it's a smaller group with just one or two teams, we'll tend to kind of jump into workshop mode. You can learn a lot during those, um, activities. We do a lot of hands-on, Um, you know, like let's build a board and let's move stickies around and let you experience what this is like. Mm -hmm. And those are of course designed to uh, lead to those moments of like, Oh God, that's just like what's happening to us. Oh no, let's fix it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) in a bigger team, in a bigger organization, uh, we will run an assessment early on because it, it pinpoints the most painful areas, whether it's the technology isn't there to support you, or you don't have data to make decisions or, whatever the real serious problem is. And then we can, we can kind of um, hone in on those one by one to, to deal with the things that hurt the most. When you made this switch back in the day, when you kind of said, man, I see these software teams at the SaaS company working in agile, what were some of the first things you picked up? What, what was kind of something, the first thing you implemented, you said, can, what's this is the first experiment I want to try. Will you let me do X? Um, to kind of you know start moving the ball this direction, what was that? What that looked like for you? Yeah, for us it was a Trello board. You know, we needed we needed to see everything because we had, you know, this happens in marketing a lot. We had a lot of specialists, right? We had mm-hmm. the content people, and then we had the website people, and we had the sales people, and we had the PR people, right? And we all were kind of like doing our own things in our different yeah. silos. Even in a small team, this happens. Uh, and so it was like, first, we need to just get it all where we can see it. And this has happened over and over with teams I've coached over the years. As soon as you see that, you have marketing leaders and executives going, why are you doing all of this? Like, this is not how I want you to be spending your time. Whereas we all thought this is what we're supposed to be doing. Like, this is what we all But you hired do. me to do. Yeah. 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 And, and so-and-so over there asked me to do it. Right. And so now it's, it's in my, in my backlog and then you get the opportunity to start de-scoping and saying, oh, it turns out that's not value added work. Cool. Let's take it out or push it way down to the bottom. 
And then the important stuff starts bubbling up uh, and you do the really important things first. And as soon as you are able to do that consistently, you start to see the needle move, right? Mm. Those, those stubborn numbers that we just couldn't seem to, to budge start to move and then you're hooked, right? And you want to do more of that and, and it starts to snowball. Success begets success, or at least it, it instigates the, the desire for more of it, right? Yeah. Um, when you, you mentioned something that we, listeners on the podcast will be familiar with, and that's this idea of silos. We talk a lot about destroying silos and destroying bottlenecks. And I'm curious, you, you pointed out, even on a small team, you can be siloed. What's, what's another example of that where you've seen, you've gone into an organization and, you know, they're, they're all good intentions. They're like we said before, they're all trying to do good work. It's not necessarily their fault, but they're making decisions in silos or they're making decisions in isolation. What's, I mean, do you have a story about where you've seen that? I mean, obviously names redacted here, but, um, um, where, where that's, that's really been uh, apparent and, and what, what did you do to turn that around? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm thinking about a team where they would get a request. They were a corporate marketing team. So they were serving a lot of different business units inside mm -hmm. of the organization. And they would get a request from a stakeholder who the stakeholder thinks they're being clear, right? They think they're articulating what they want, but they, so they kind of drop this brief into the marketing organization and it like starts with the content people. So they write all the words, right? What their understanding of the brief is, here's all the words that need to be in it. And then they just really like chuck it over the wall to the design people, right? Mm -hmm. Who are like, oh, okay, then let's make the pictures, right? And then maybe if we're lucky, we kick it over to the UX people who try to make some sort of blend out of all of that that actually like works in some form or fashion. And then only at that point does it come back to the stakeholder who's like, what are you guys talking about? That's not what I wanted at all, right? But now the thing is due in like three days, right? Because we spent three to four weeks passing it around the silos, it came back out and they're like, no, I don't want that. And I'm leaving for the conference in two days. Right. And so now we're in all nighters. Mode. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So it, it happens so much. How much do you, and this is, this is mixed for me on what I see agile teams do both on mark on the marketing side and on the product side, how much then do you bring the stakeholder into a more frequent conversation? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's key. So trying to create some kind of semblance of actual cross-functional teams, right, where yep. we can get those people together to work together on a daily basis, instead of the siloed handoff, and bring the stakeholder in, whether it's once a week, they come to stand up, or we do a review, like a sprint review type meeting every Friday of here's the progress we've made, give us directional feedback. Um, those are, are really powerful things. Um, when do they you, like those meetings or do they push back on them? That's what I was about to say is like, you also have to kind of train them on mm -hmm. how to engage in those meetings. Cause if they're used to getting the super perfect high fidelity output at the very end, and then Work you start showing them MVPs, they're like, what, this is not a, they, they struggle to give the right kind of feedback. So yeah. Those are coached moments for sure in the early days of like, here's what you're about to see and here's what you're going to do and here's what's going to happen next. Because um, when you just throw people into that whole new situation, like this isn't done. Why are right. you asking me to give feedback? It's not done. Like that's the point is so that when it is done, it will actually be done uh, and not just starting the cycle over again. You're, you know, you're in the consulting space, right? Because you're helping other teams do this work. 
I'm curious, um, we, we do, uh, there's a side of Crema that is also a consultant side. So we help teams really work agile um, from a product perspective. One of the things that we, we talk about is that, um, that people don't like to change, right? <laughs> um, uh, I think we, we talk, the default is, and even leaders tend to lean towards, cool, tell me the tool you're going to use, <laughs> right? Tell me the software platform you're going to put in place to solve this problem. And what we're actually talking about is a very human problem. And if we went back to the old man, agile manifesto, it's people over process or people over tools, even how do you pivot that conversation? How does that happen? Or, I mean, obviously it doesn't always happen perfectly, but what, what's your, what's your approach towards saying, I hear what you you're, you're saying, and I hear that you think this will fix it. But what I really want you to refocus into is X. How, how do you approach that? Yeah. I mean, you know, a year and a half ago, we used to say, you're not getting a tool first, right? You have to build your board on the wall with sticky notes. Uh -huh. And then as soon as you get that right, then we'll get you a tool, right? That, that does what you actually need it to do. Mm. Uh, Cause you probably don't know uh, on day one, what you actually need your tool to do for you. Right. But you know, these days we tend to try to get as low fidelity with the first visualization as possible. So uh, mural or, or Miro or one of these yep. where it's basically a digital whiteboard. Of course. Uh, yeah. And tell, tell people that you need to build a process that works for you instead of shoehorning yourself into the tools version of process. Uh, it's so, it's so, I mean, we know you and I, we can, we can, we can, we'll can grab a drink and we'll, we'll just talk like laments on how, how frustrating this is. Cause we even, we were using Miro. Of course we used Miro um, during the, you know, the pandemic, the year off, if you will, but they're also, um, before that, we were using Miro as a tool to bring in some, we had distributed work teams. What we found is when we started to use Miro as a way to make it feel, um, like you said, uh, low fidelity or physical as much as possible, people would come out of these workshops where really the point of the workshop was get people aligned to see the potential of the opportunity, to prioritize the work, to understand, um, you know, like you said, uh, the, the level of effort. Um, and what they came out of was, oh my gosh, I love Miro. <laughs> like <laughs> we, where do we, how do we put Miro in across the organization? And it's like, no, 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 no. Come back. Like you missed, <laughs> that was two days of work for you to come out and go, I loved the tool. Um, so I, I feel your pain. It is, it is a, is a challenging one. Um, when you think about how many of the organizations, I guess, how much are you seeing this shift in marketing? I mean, it happened in, in software development. In theory, it happened many years ago. And of course, there are cer certain organizations that do it better or less, or lesser or, or better. What are you seeing in the industry? What's kind of happening? Is this a, is this a move across companies that they're moving to agile marketing? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Um, we've done a study for the last four years. Um, we, pr we publish a state of agile marketing report Yep. Um, and this year was the first year we passed 50%. So we had 51% wow. of the marketers that we surveyed and we surveyed over 600. So it's, it's quite a large sample set, um, said they're agile and that's up 10% from the previous year, which was in turn up 10% from the year before. So it's, it's really accelerating. And honestly, I think there was no better argument for agility than 2020, um, it forced everything that was going to have happen in the next five years to happen in six months, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So it's it's definitely accelerating, and I think we're really close. If we haven't already passed it, 
a tipping point where if you're not an agile marketing team, you will be surpassed by mm. an agile marketing team. Even if the thing that they are selling is not as good as yours, if their messaging is that much better and that, that much more iterative and that much more customer centric and all the great things that agile gives us, they will pass you and it will not matter mm. the quality of the thing that you are selling. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited for that because, um, it's one, it's something we've been kind of, uh, you know, championing with, with when we were working in product and then having this product handed on a daily basis over because of continuous integration, we were, we were, we were releasing all the time. And it was like, why, why are you saying that won't actually be given to the public for the next six months? Like it's done now. And we want feedback now we're looking for the feedback in the, in the software and we can't get it until there's users. And you're telling me it won't roll out. How much, um, how much is that true in marketing, especially in a world that's rapidly changing so incredibly fast, right? Whether it's, um, because of big world issues and how to respond to those well, or because products change fast because they're all technology driven. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we're looking at Tesla's right. They're mostly just a software platform. It's a car, but it's actually a piece of software. Right. And, um, things are getting pushed out on a regular basis. How, how does a, agility allow those teams to build feedback loops with their customer? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's super similar to the like old annual releases from software, you know, pre agile, where it was like once a year, giant, you know, thing comes out and maybe mm -hmm. people like it, or maybe they hate it, but marketing campaigns have been much that same way, right? We, we do a lot of planning, we go away and we work a long time. And then we like, ta-da, release this thing that took up all of our budget and we hope that you like it. Right. Uh, and it's super risky and it may be totally out of touch because I mean, so much happens now in a six to nine month period, mm -hmm. you can't possibly expect relevancy at that point. Or if you're trying for something that doesn't seem out of touch, it has to be so generic as to be meaningless. Right. So it's, it's really about what can you put into the market now and hear from people, right? Directional data the whole time. So maybe you still end up with this huge campaign launch around the holidays or whenever you need that big bump, but over the course of the year, you validated your messaging, you validated the style of the campaign, you validated your spokesperson. All these things have now been tested and iterated on over the course of the year so that the final release is much more likely to be spot on instead of, you know, uh, we've all seen these marketing campaigns, right? They get utter backlash and people just like hate them for years Yeah. afterward. That's not what, that's not the, the point, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, the yeah, yeah. And it is hard though, because I think um, the pushback that I've heard, and, and I, maybe I, I want to push this back or hand this back to you, but the pushback that I've heard is, when we're moving that fast, I'm afraid we're going to make mistakes. Like maybe we will put, you know, we're living in a, in a time where it is risky to put marketing out. If it's done wrong, the, the recoil from that can be really dangerous yeah. well, for lack of better words. It, it feels almost scary to move that fast, even though it's valuable. It's, yeah. it, it can be, um, that can create a certain anxiousness, um, mm -hmm. How do you balance that um, and, yeah. and as teams are thinking about moving faster? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a definite kind of check on speed in, in marketing in particular. And we work with a lot of clients that are in regulated industries, you know, yeah. so yeah. Like, they would open themselves up to legal action if they do things improperly. And so there does have to be that, that balance. And 
There's also a, a sense of, um, it depends on what you're selling and the channel, right? And all of these things play into it. But even if we can't, you know, respond in two hours or two minutes or whatever to what's happening around us because of compliance or, or regulations, you know, you can still do things like, we've had teams that will bring a legal representative into marketing planning, right? And, I love that. Right? It's one of these things that you're like, oh, well, why doesn't that is such an easy way to, to, to speed up the process? Because now you're not handing them something that's totally finished and them saying that's illegal. You can't do that, right? You find it out early on yeah, right, yeah, right, right. and get their feedback. So then you will be able to do things faster. And if there is an emerging news moment that you want to be part of, you've got this legal partner now to sit with you, right? Mm -hmm. And like, we're writing the emails together and they're saying, oh, no, don't, not that, right? And you can you can be much more relevant and, and timely, even if you are in a regulated space. The exciting part about that though, is what we found, because we've brought in, we've brought attorneys into some of the product, um, you know, retrospectives and kickoffs. We brought in, obviously marketing and sales have been brought into that conversation board members have been investors we'll bring anybody who really wants to be there can be a, a part of that conversation to an extent right you can get to the point where there's too many cooks in the kitchen but what's really powerful is when you go the person who you, who you thought would be the least creative person in the room i.e the attorney all of a sudden says well you can't say that but maybe if you said it like this and their their creative brain turns on right and then all of a sudden you start getting these results where the team goes I know, don't hate you anymore. <laughs> like that, that was a good idea. It's not perfect. Maybe we can finesse it a little bit, but you, you get this, this pivot in this conversation where people are valued mm -hmm. the, the, uh, that before there were, that, that was an enemy really. Right. It's no longer an us versus them kind of thing. And even in, you know, the software team that I used to work on, it, there was a little bit of that where mm. it's like you were saying before we did this feature. Why aren't you telling everybody about it? And you're like, because we have 75 other things, right, that we're behind on that we need to, to do. And it was quite um, adversarial, but we started going to their standups and they started coming to our standups. Mm. And, and then it became much more of a like, oh, this is coming. Like we need to be aware and, oh, they're behind on that. Let's adjust accordingly. And it became much more of a, you know, we're in this together and we all want the company to succeed and for our users to be happy with what we're giving them. And it changes the dynamics. Yeah. What how does quality come into the conversation? So we talked about speed, right? There's always this like speed quality question. Um, and, and quality in marketing, quality in product for that matter, is is incredibly subjective in 2021, right? I mean, you have TikTok. I mean, and this is more of a consumer brand kind of experience, but use it, use an example. I'm now seeing more brands that are, are literally not making a commercial. They're just having somebody be like, I use this thing and it was cool and it was fun. And it, you know, it's influencer marketing, right? But it, it's, it's this idea of that the quality was kind of crappy, but it was really effective. How are you seeing the quality conversation shift a little bit mm -hmm. or is or is it? I think it is. Yeah. And it is just about um, like letting go of some of that fear and mm. it, I think it's a fallacy that we control our brands anyway. Like consumers are going to be out there talking about it in ways that we cannot control or predict at all. Right. So in some ways, just go with it. You know, yeah. like yeah. Yeah. you can't control the conversation. So at least be a part of it, right? right. And, and participate in it in a way that is meaningful and valuable. Um, 
where I think too, for marketers in particular, it can be a good opportunity for them to let go of a quality obsession is a lot of the stuff that we do internally, right? So like, I can't show anybody anything unless it's perfect and beautiful, like down to the pixel and so forth. But like, no, like show a down and dirty sketch on, yeah. you know, on a whiteboard or in Miro or something and get feedback about it. But people get really hung up on, you know, it has to be amazing and I can't show you and it will affect badly on me as an individual mm -hmm. if it's not super dialed in. But actually the, the week that you spent perfecting your slide deck, right, is now a week we're not getting data about the performance yeah. of that thing. Uh, and so I think it's that that's easy, right? Like that's not going to hurt your brand if you're less precious about what you show to your boss and your boss's boss uh, internally. Yeah, um, that that doesn't cost you anything. We talk about that being an identity issue, right? It's it's that people are so worried about looking bad and or looking good or you know impressing or experiencing that wow factor that um, they forget why we're doing this work in the first place. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, that's really good. Um, what's an area that you see people get wrong the most? When, when maybe you've been working with them for a while, or maybe you, you know, you're just getting started, but it, it's the common, I know it's coming, but this is what, this is what really gets, gets wrong the most. Honestly, it's, it's the fixation on project level mm. application where people are like, okay, we need to try agile. We've got this project we're about to start. So let's do this one little thing agile. Uh, the analogy that I always make with software is like, we're going to make this build this one feature using Agile and everything else will be waterfall. And that will show us whether Agile works. And I'm just like, it. no, that's not a valid test. That's, I can tell you right now, it's not gonna work. Let me save you some time. Yep. Um, and so really thinking about, no, how do you apply this at the team level? It's the only right. place it works. That's the only way that Agile is designed to be effective mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's, continually shocking, even though it happens almost every time with every client, I'm continually just amazed. People's heads just explode when you start talking about how you cannot do this with one pilot little project, 30% of somebody's time. Uh, Cause it's just instantly where people want to go. Um, if you're listening, don't do it. Just I'm gonna save you the time and trouble. Don't do it. Uh, it will not you work. You heard it here. It's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. I mean, and we struggle with the same thing, um, especially when we're coming in. What we find, and I don't know if you find this, is that what you're bringing, especially because you're a service provider, right? You're helping people do this. You're bringing your culture, your mentality, your experience, your your wins and your failures. And you know, you know, you already got the muscle. You know, you've been doing this workout for a while. And then you show up to someone who's like just literally walked in the gym for the first time in a few years, right? And they just don't even know what this equipment looks like. They don't know how that they don't even know that they have that muscle, right? That's like, does that exist in my body someplace? And I, I think it's really interesting. It creates such a level, uh, a, a need to be patient with people mm. as they go through this change because, yeah, it's going to take some time. Yeah, everybody has to be bought in. Yeah, I'm going to remind you again, everybody has to be bought in. No, she can't go over and do that thing off or by, by herself. It's a cross-functional team. You know, like it's constantly calibrating all the time. Um, yeah. That's so it's, hard to do well. It is. And it's fascinating to me, especially when folks are new to it, like in a more traditional organization, 
there always tend to be these pockets of people who were just waiting for you to come and tell them it was okay to be agile. Yeah, and then they're yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. yes, we're going to do this. Amazing. And then you have these other people who are like, I've worked here for 30 years. How dare you come in and tell me how to do my job. Right. And those people will have to coexist on the same agile team. And you're just like, okay, buckle up. Here we go. <laughs> and those are just fascinating where those and they've been coworkers, right? Yeah. For years sometimes. And yeah. then it's just this catalyst for sometimes, right? Those tensions were sort of simmering below the surface and then Always. agile yeah. like brings it all, brings it all out. Yeah. And we've seen organizations that pivoted to agile that quite transparently, you had to be prepared for the turnover that might happen. Yeah. I tell and people 10%. I'm yeah. like, just, just budget 10%. Maybe hopefully it doesn't happen, but like we just, you just need to be prepared. Yeah. Unless you had a culture that was so unique in the first place that they were used to. What I find is you, there, there were other, we've run into cultures that were used to change mm -hmm. though. It wasn't truly agile. They were used to change. Now, some of that change was, it was toxic change, meaning they were, they were used to the boss walking in all the time and being like, okay, what we were doing yesterday, we're not doing, cause that didn't work. We're going to do something different. What at least that gave them was adaptability. <laughs> right. And, and now what they have to, which hopefully the buy-in now is like, yes, we're actually going to be okay with iteration, with shorter sprints of work, with work in progress, with showing things, with getting feedback loops, et cetera. But boss, the person that used to walk in and do that thing over and over again and change, this way of working is staying for a while for a long time, maybe permanently, you know, right. and that, that's a, that's a hard pivot. Yeah. And to come to the, to the boss, we call them, right. I'm sure you've heard they're, they're like the swoop and poop. They're like the, uh, uh, yes. se the seagulls who just come uh -huh. in and make a big mess. You have to tell the swoop and poopers, like, you don't get to do that anymore. Yeah. You know, like you, you no longer have the right to come and, and derail and change every other day what's happening. And that's where I think people can really struggle, especially if you're in the kind of like middle to upper management level is to say like you have, they feel sometimes they've lost power. They've lost authority mm. yeah. uh, because they can't come in and, and dictate in that way and say, you still like, you just have to exercise that differently. Like we're asking you to show up in a different way. And the way those conversations go, I think can be quite telling about whether the transformation will stick or whether you're going to see backsliding. I I've asked before, and maybe I'll ask you this, what, who do you think is responsible for this change? Is it, mm -hmm. is it leaders or is it the team? I think you've got to get everybody bought in and showing up for it. Uh, but I think ultimately the people who are responsible in the sense of if it doesn't work, it's their fault. It mm -hmm. has to be, it falls at the feet of senior leadership. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, like, they need to have a change management plan and a communication strategy that brings everyone along, but they're the ones who set the vision. They're the ones who tell the story of why and where are we going and how will we know when we get there and all of those things. Uh, and they'll, they'll make or break it um, along the yeah. way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I completely agree. Um, what's something you're excited about? You know, the, the, we've been through a crazy period of time. Uh, it didn't force us to make a lot of changes. It forced us to be agile, whether we wanted to be or not. Um, you know, I don't think we'll ever go back to the way that we were working before, but 
what what are you excited about in the future whether it's in marketing or in the industry as a whole or in practice or even tooling for that matter i mean people do love tools what what gets you excited as you look forward you know i'm i'm excited to build on what marketing has done in terms of its agile journey you know i, I do think it's at an interesting tipping point uh in terms of adoption levels and i think we're now seeing more of the non-IT crowd kind of looking to marketing and going, well, if they could do it, mm. maybe we can do it. And, you know, I'm excited for Agile Sherpas to be hopefully there to guide new groups, you know, to, to take what we've done with marketing and what marketing has taught the Agile movement about what agility means, right? Like, I think there's been a great reinvigoration of conversations around uh, what's a framework need and, and when do I get to just abandon a framework entirely and build my own adventure um, that I think would not have happened if the business agility world was not expanding, right? And so it's, I think that it's a really exciting next few years coming um, for agility as a, as a movement. It's funny because, I mean, the, the, the idea of agile has been around for 30 plus years. Um, and and there is even some pushback on whether or not is the it is the perfect solution because I don't think there is there is no perfect solution. We're human beings, right? right. I mean, we're we're going to find ways to screw it up. <laughs> um, but what I'm 100% with you. We actually pivoted Crema, and I think Dan and I, my business partner and I, work. We operated in this this mindset just probably out of our personalities, anyways. We just liked experimenting, and so we and we picked up Agile for our product team. So we were probably doing a little bit of it ourselves. But as we grew, we put a, an executive leadership team in place and then a director um, leadership team in place, which we work in kind of a matrix model. So we have both um, group directors that are about the work and then we have craft directors that are about the skill or the craft, right? And so each person kind of has two managers. And so as we started to look at this, we said, you know what, what's funny about this is like, oh, look at that all right here. We have a group of craft directors that are all cross-functional. And so now they're their own cross-functional team. So why don't we go ahead and put in the same you know, ceremonies, if you want to call them that, mm -hmm. that will allow them to practice some of the same things that their product teams are. So how do they plan their work over a two week or one week or whatever their, their, their cycle is They're They're a cycle, small agile sprint. How do we think about our, um, our milestones or our work in progress or the things that we need to learn from each other or that feedback loop that we're putting in place, et cetera. And then we started doing the same thing with the executive team because our executive team, like many, it's like CEO, CTO, CMO. Well, ours is VP of strategy, VP of product, VP of sales, VP of, you know, et cetera. This is a cross-functional team. Mm -hmm. Why don't we teach them? Why don't we treat them like a small, agile functioning team? Um, I, it sounds like to me that you guys have the opportunity to, to step into those, those conversations to really get whole organizations to pivot towards this. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and it's, it's super exciting. Um, it's, it's nice to be able to expand the horizons of what it means to be agile. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever gone to any of the agile conferences or the events or whatever there's been, it's gotten to this, I've heard it compared to a number two pencil convention where people are like arguing mm -hmm. over like the exact orange color that the pencil should be and like how, what shape should the eraser be? And really it's like, it's a pencil. It's fine. You know, like, can we move on? Yeah. yeah and yeah. it's, it's good to, to start thinking about like, not what is the exact right way to run a standup, but just like, 
when do you have stand up and what's its purpose and how do we make it better as a, a component of agile ways of working instead of like fighting over these minutiae, which I feel like was kind of the, the spiral that, that agility in general was in until more, more perspectives came into the conversation. I like the shift and I don't know if you're experiencing this, but one of the shifts that I feel like I'm seeing and kind of similar to what you're talking about is a shift away from so much of the practice of agile and really back to the principle of agile. And I'm, I'm just, man, I'm just on this, this train right now of thinking about principles as the leading driver for, for how humans should interact with other humans. You know, um, how much do you, do you have a set of like specifically agile Sherpa's, uh, principles that are unique to the way that you approach agile? We do. Yeah. Um, we, we have a set of seven that uh, is actually laid out in my book here. All right. Um, yeah. Timing. So yeah. Excellent. Shameless plug there. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we have a set of principles, um, that we, that we use, you know, and it's a lot of them are, there are echoes from agile manifesto and, yeah, and scrum values and things like that in there, but they're more specific to the type of work that we do. So there's, yeah customer centricity called out, you know, explicitly and a bias for action, right? Mm. It's better to do something than not do anything. And those kinds of things that we think are really crucial for agile newbies, like marketers tend to be, um, to get focused on. And the, I totally agree with you about principles needing to be foundational. I think what's, what's important for folks like us to do when we're guiding and, and coaching newer folks is yes, principles matter, but you also have to understand why the practices are the way they are mm. and like how they connect to the principles. So you can make an intelligent decision about what to use and what to chop and not just chop the things that hurt because sometimes they hurt for a good reason. Right. And you, sh that means you need to do them more because they're pointing out a, a problem. Uh, so I think See, there's step into the discomfort. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, and so I, I think there's a, there's a right place to, to land there where it's not just like dogmatic adherence to practices, but it's also not just kind of fluffy, yay principles that don't really show up point. in any different way. It's a really good point. Okay. I want to, I want to start to land the plane here. So one thing, one, if, if someone were to do two things, if you were to say, I know you have to start someplace, is it, it could be a practice. It could be a simple ceremony. It could be a tool. It could be a, what, whatever it is. What's two things that you would say, just try this, just, yeah. just try it. And just to get started, what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. First is make your work visible, get it out in the open, uh, build your backlog and get your nice, simple Kanban board, right? If it's just to do doing done nice and easy, get it visualized that alone just unlocks a whole new world of, of knowledge um, that you can then act on. Um, and then my second thing, if you're doing this solo, like if you're trying to run your life solo this way, mm. my second practice would be limit your work in progress, like do less. Um, I have a personal Kanban board that I've used for ages and ages, like years at this point, whip limit of two. Uh, yeah. I, I run a business. I uh, have a small family. Like I have a crap ton of things going on. I will never work on more than two things at any given time. And it's hard. And I want to break that rule every single day, but it's the only way that anything ever gets done. So if you're doing it alone, limit your work in progress. If you're doing it with a team, I'd say your second thing should be daily standup. 
um, yeah. to talk to one another about it. It doesn't work as well if you're a solo person to have a daily standup with yourself. But. I mean, I talk to myself all the time, so I think it's totally fine. Yeah. I, you know, a little self-coach in the morning. Um, my kids think I'm crazy, but they just hear me walking around talking to myself, getting ready. No, it doesn't happen too much. Uh, this has been so great. Thank you so much for this. I want to give you the opportunity. You have, you have multiple resources to, to learn more about. So plug away. You are, you tried, you tried to slip it in early, but I like it. So, so tell us a little bit more, where can we learn more about you and what you're doing in the world? Yeah. So um, agilesherpas.com is the website. Like I said, I'm a content marketer. So we are very much a content first business free chapter of my book, Mastering Marketing Agility. You can download for free there on the website. The State of Agile Marketing Report is there for free. Uh, we also have an introductory class that you can take. It's less than an hour long, teach you the ins and outs of agile marketing. All that stuff is on agilesherpas.com. You should be able to find what you need. Awesome. Thank you so much. I, you, you and I probably could nerd out for many more hours on this conversation, but we'll, we'll respect people's time, their commute, listening on the podcast. So thank you for joining me today, Andrea. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This episode of People of Product is produced by Larissa McCarty with support from Gabby Caton, Julie Branson, and Alexa Alfonso. Our hosts are George Brooks and Daniel Linhart. Pubular Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.